and welcome to the Local Government Association and UCL's Net Zero podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero. I'm Olivia Lancaster, advisor at the Local Government Association for our Climate Change Improvement Programme. This new podcast series aims to reflect on and share learnings from our recently launched Net Zero Innovation Programme, bringing together councils and universities. As you may be aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. In this series, we're focusing on stories from our Net Zero programme to help shine a light on how councils and universities can work together to co-create solutions to meet councils' climate commitments. Each podcast brings together participants with expertise on the topic to explore the opportunities and challenges of the programme together. In this episode, we'll be discussing how the partnerships are feeling about graduating the programme and the next steps for their projects. As discussed in the last episode, with COP26 being hosted this year, our partnerships have had to start thinking about the future of their projects and how their good work will be continued. We will also be catching up with one partner who moved roles during the programme and what he is up to now. This series is funded by UCL Public Policy and brought to you by the LGA and UCL, connecting the work of research with the world of local government. Today are Alex Rainbow, Carbon Neutral Cornwall Assessment Specialist at Cornwall Council, Leanne Wilson, Policy and Economy Advisor at North of Tyne Combined Authority, and Peter Lafort, Impact and Partnership Development Officer at University of Exeter, but was previously at Cornwall Council. Leanne, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell me a little about your area of expertise and why you were interested in joining our programme? I've been a policy and economy advisor focusing principally on climate change at North of Tyne Combined Authority since January last year. Prior to that, I've worked broadly on climate change for almost the past 20 years. We were interested in the Net Zero Innovation Programme because the Combined Authority and all three constituent local authorities declared a climate emergency in 2019. And we were really keen to get support to work on an area of common challenge, which I think is a common challenge across many combined and local authorities. This is around the confidence of staff to identify opportunities to support decarbonisation. And in our case, we focused specifically on the decision making processes around capital investments. So this project provided a really great opportunity to work with the research team at Northumbria. And can I also ask uh, when Northumbria University joined your project and how that came about and what the process was? I think we were slightly different from some of the other projects in the programme in that we applied for support before we actually had a university partner in place. So we engaged with Northumbria University after we'd had confirmation of support from the LGA. So Northumbria weren't actually part of the initial sandpit sessions, although we certainly did work with them to develop the final project proposal submission. And I think we were really lucky in that Northumbria have significant expertise around co-creation and co-production with local authorities in the public sector. So I think we were really lucky that the later engagement with them didn't impact too much on on the final proposal that was submitted. Yeah, we were really glad to to find that partnership with you. And I know that you you were very much on your own at the beginning, but now you've got that support. So I'm glad that we were able to find that solution. I'm sure it's helped uh, tremendously since then. Yes, absolutely. The research team have been really fantastic. That's brilliant to hear. Okay, Peter, could you please explain a bit about how you joined the programme with Cornwall Council and uh, where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I was working uh, at Cornwall Council uh, in the Carbon Neutral Cornwall team when this project started. So getting involved in the the Sandpit sessions initially, and we we already had you know fairly good relationship with 
the University of Exeter, but there wasn't a huge amount on climate change um, in, 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 in practice. And one of the things that we were notice, noticing, there was a lot of work being done around climate mitigation, but in terms of adaptation, it was, it was quite a, a knowledge gap and a capacity gap in terms of, okay, how do we implement these things into, uh, into actual policy change? Um, so the, this program came along at a really good time because it wasn't a problem that had a simple solution that we could just uh, go away, commission some research and then and then apply. It needed some really interesting in-depth development of, okay, what is the challenge here? What are the barriers to, to grappling with such a complex issue? Uh, and so being able to take part in the stand sampit sessions and, and kind of tease that apart and work out, is there a project here? Is there something that we can collaborate on that might help both parties? Um, was a really useful process to go through. So I was started the project on on that side of the of the partnership. But during the course of the project, I actually left my role at Cornwall Council and started a new role at the University of Exeter, where I am now. But I'm still working on this project. My new role is about how the university can translate its climate and environmental work for policymakers and businesses and and communities, etc. Uh, so this is a really great exemplar project uh, of how that can be done. Absolutely. And uh, we're still happy to have you on the project and uh, to share that learning now now towards the end. So moving on to Alex, who's now working uh, for Cornwall Council on, on this project. Could you introduce yourself and how, how you approached this programme? So I'm Alex Rainbow, uh, Carbon Neutral Cornwall Assessment Officer, and I've been working with the Carbon Neutral Cornwall team since the, the end of 2019. Before that, I had a, a history in waste and recycling. So I've been in sort of environmentalism for a long time. But my principal role within that team was to help develop and embed our decision wheel. So this is our something we've been working on for a while to help test our decisions um, and to formally codify uh, sort of environmental climate change and social justice issues. And as Pete pointed out earlier, uh, he, we did we do have a blind spot uh, in terms of our knowledge and in terms of our strategy around around adaptation rather than mitigation, which I think we've been trying to get to grips with a little better. But actually how I approached it was that um, Pete left and, <laughs> and I was the logical choice. Having been someone who, who'd been involved in uh, in the development of effectively a tool, which is what a decision wheel is, that helped decision makers to, to sort of go down the, the, the right path and been in, quite involved in the technical aspects of this, I was, it was sort of a, na a natural choice to take over from that and to, to add that perspective to it, rather than actually knowing very much about the project prior to joining a couple of months ago but it's it's been it's been really fantastic to get into that other side of climate change which we we just haven't and and, and living in cornwall as well like especially this is a this is a particular issue if you have a lot of coastline for example like this is a the climate change uh, and the worst predictions for climate change mean that we really do have to get on with understanding adaptation and and how we deal with the expected effects of climate change so. thank you I wanted to talk a bit about the development of your projects up to now. So Peter, what direction was the project heading in before you left to move to Exeter University? So we were, I guess, looking at, at the problem uh, of um, how is climate adaptation going to affect health from, from two sides. Uh, so one is, what do we know about the future? Uh, and this is sort of predominantly the the university side, the research side. You know, what data do we have about how the climate is going to change? What do we know about the implications of those changes? But concurrently to that, also looking at 
okay, well, for decision makers, uh, and we're working predominantly with Cornwall Council, but also having other stakeholders involved in that as well, from NHS and uh, and the police, uh, as well as businesses, looking at, well, having that information is all well and good, but what do we actually do with that? How do you want that information? Because we can tell you all of these things and give you all of these numbers that might not actually mean anything. And if you can't apply that in practice, then it's it's more or less meaningless. So having those two strands running at the same time, uh, I think that was a big part of the initial phase of the uh, of the project. Bear in mind that there had also already been a fair amount of stakeholder work undertaken before uh, this project started, uh, looking into exactly that. How do you want to interpret climate adaptation? What is it that you use to inform your decision making now? How might that change in future? So all of these kind of questions, exploring them at the same time as finding out what it is we actually know. Uh, and, and I guess that was about where where we got to when I when I moved over. So um, I'm sure Alex uh, hopefully will be able to fill in the rest. Yeah, I mean, Alex, it would be great if you could tell us where, where you're up to now and how the project's looking to complete and uh, and what the next steps are. Yep, so we are just having our final stakeholder engagement uh, event in a couple of days, actually. So we, we, we've sort of, I, I, I think for the for the most part, moved past the, the stakeholder engagement phase, despite the fact we're having our last one soon, but into taking all of that knowledge and trying to actually build a technology demonstrator for the tool. And so this, it's at this highly practical stage at the moment where we've got the, the company that we have who are designing this technology demonstrator for is heavily involved in it. And, and I was trying to scope out some of the much finer details of, of how the tool will actually look and operate, because what we've discovered going through this is that, as Pete pointed out as well, that there's, there's a wealth of knowledge that we're lacking around the effects of, of climate change where, where we are. And really, however we, we build this, there, there are uses for that for different stakeholders who want slightly different things and different ways of approaching it. And even within an individual stakeholder organization like Cornwall Council, there are those who will want much more access to a raw format of the information coming out of it so they can make their own decisions. And those who will need much more um, guided information uh, or m- much more specific information about about what to do with the effects of climate. So they'll want the sort of what what do we want to do in terms of public health? And some people want, well, what's going to happen with the climate? And so there's there's a very wide variety of of potential uses for it. So we're just trying to narrow this down into a single technology demonstrator at this point. But I think the conversation that it started and the the work that's now going on in Exeter as well at the university to expand the knowledge set around adaptation is is really crucial um, and going forward no matter i think what shape the tool actually takes in terms of its technical abilities how it makes links between effects and and the things that we want to, to do to mitigate them that working relationship and that strand of, of academic knowledge generation being fed into a sort of practical output if you will in a local authority if you look at it at a very macro scale that's going to be really really useful and it's not going to stop anytime soon and and even though the project is winding up in terms of, of the, the outputs at this stage, I, for one, will be involved, if I possibly can be, to go forward with this and to, and to, to extract what information I can to, to help in what way I can and, and to funnel that back into, into us, us as a local authority um, so that we can start to, inside the Carbon Neutral Cornwall team, at least initially, start to open up that second area, not just looking at mitigation, but looking at adaptation and, and how we funnel that into, into wider policy. 
Absolutely. And we'll be looking forward to hearing how you, how you do that. And we obviously want to keep, catch up later down the line to see if it's it's put into practice. But that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing how it how the final product comes out. Moving on to you, Leanne, uh, how are you looking to finalise the project? Um, and how has the university helped with this in the latter stage? So we're at the stage where we've, we've undertaken policy reviews and we've held interviews and co-production workshops to map out the sort of high level policy processes and key decision points around capital investments. And what's emerged from that is a prototype decision support guide for net zero, though there's certainly scope for further work, for example, you know, just to sort of reflect what's been said earlier around adaptation and wider sustainability. So at the moment, we're working with the research team to do the evaluation of the project and then to finalise the the guide and agree next steps. And that will be subject to feedback from our steering group. So we established a steering group, which includes colleagues from the combined authority, the three constituent local authorities and the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership. So once we've finalised the project, we will take that back to the steering group to agree our next steps. I think it's also going to be really interesting to see what comes forward in the forthcoming heat and building strategy and cross-government net zero strategy as well. So we're expecting those to be published in advance of COP. So it'll be really interesting to see how the outcomes of our work may or may not align with the, the support that's going to be brought forward. Absolutely. And I, I wondered in terms of this last stage of the project, how often are you and the university partners meeting? And have you got a kind of forward plan now that we've kind of finished the group sessions of, of how you're going to keep that partnership going? Yeah, so we we actually started this project working with Northumbria on the basis that both organisations were really interested to explore sort of wider research and collaboration opportunities. So we have, at the moment, we've got fortnightly meetings in the diary, but where where necessary, we'd meet outside of those as well. That's great to hear. And uh, yeah, glad that you both got that kind of momentum behind you to keep the partnership going and help each other out in these wider, wider goal of, of uh, climate change and, and uh and what you're doing with the project. Absolutely. Now, I'd like to talk about the future and uh, what the next steps are for you all. I know we kind of alluded to it just then, but if we can go into a little bit more detail, that would that would be great. So, um, Liana, I'm going to come back to you again and ask how will this project's work be continued in the future in terms of the larger scalability of it? I think that the future steps for this project are subject to further internal discussion between the organisations that have been involved in the project together with the university. So I think there's there's a great deal of scope to expand the, the, the work that we've started through this project. But at the moment that will, I, I think that it, it's really sort of subject to how that fits in with the wider net zero plans of the local authorities and, and the work that the combined authorities doing to integrate climate change into our decision-making process. So I'll hopefully be able to update you more once we've had those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll obviously want to be keeping updates. And I think there'll be uh, the case studies up on our, our website by the time this episode comes out. So people can find some more information there as well. Alex, uh, what does the future look like for Cornwall's climate change and health tool? Again, I must caveat this with this. There are, there are no firm no firm agreements on where to go. But I see uh, with the end of, of the funding at this stage, Cornwall Council will switch over to be more of a, a highly interested stakeholder in this specific area, continuing to provide the support that we can, feeding when we can. But 
after after many discussions internally and and with the university understanding that really this is the university's product if you will um that makes it sound a bit corporate but it but it is a product it's something that they're developing and as much as we can we can feed into it we don't have ownership of that having said that we are itching to get our hands on a tool when it comes out certainly and and it complements very nicely our 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 new decision making structures and our our new decision making um impact assessments uh in that it gives us a tool to find the the evidence that we need to 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 feed into that sort of climate change adaptation part of our decision making which we're historically quite weak on so yeah well whilst it will be very much in the university's hands if there are opportunities to work on this together coming up then we will take them and it once the we will continue to feed into it and once there is a product there we'll be most interested in using it, quite frankly. Yeah. And uh, Peter, how has the programme impacted the work that you're now undertaking with Exeter Uni? Uh, hugely. And it's such a great example of how the work of a, of a, of a university can, can be applied in practice to make it much more than the, the sum of its parts. I mean, as Alex says, we could develop a tool, but if no one uses it, then it's it's going to be fairly limited. Um, you know, it needs to be uh, applied. It needs to be practiced. It needs to be taken apart and put back together again. And and uh, and you know, we need to be told why it's wrong in in lots of ways to make it better and more robust. And so I think that's really really important. I mean, in terms of the the tool specifically, we'll be taking it to uh, to COP twenty six at the end of the year. Uh, and so hopefully we'll get some really interesting feedback from from being part of that. Uh, project. We've recently been able to use this project to uh, form an internal connection um, between the uh, where the tool is currently being developed, uh, the European Centre for Environment and Human Health, and a new project called the Joint Centre for Excellence in Environmental Intelligence. We like a long name uh, at the university, and that is a, a, a collaboration with the Met Office uh, and they have access to the kind of data, the kind of climate modelling data that we've been using for Cornwall, but they've got access to that on a, on a national scale, so across the UK. So in theory, we should be able to take that data uh, and then you know plug it into whatever uh, tool we eventually develop and see it being applied more nationally. So it's really exciting how it's helped navigate new relationships internally as well as with with particular partners. So I think you know in general for for the work that I'm doing in trying to create these connections between uh, the university's work and uh, organisations such as as Cornwall Council. I think this project is a really useful example on both sides of, of where that value can be when you're talking about something that, as Alex said, is a little bit more nebulous or, or kind of abstract than direct carbon reduction, you know, which is obviously, a, you know, a huge priority, but we, we absolutely need to be talking about the things we don't quite understand just yet as well uh, before it's too late to take action on them um, in terms of climate adaptation. So so this has been a really useful project uh, for me personally as well in, in seeing how those new relationships can be can be developed uh, around things that, that need a little bit more explore, exploration perhaps than, than has already taken place. So reflecting on the programme up to now, what is your one key takeaway message for university council partnership working to be more effective? The key thing for me is that having this project and the fact that it was funded was really, really useful, but isn't necessarily essential. One of the key things for, for me was that it facilitated the space to have conversations about uncertainty and about emergence, because it's, it's very easy to wait for someone else to figure it out and someone else to develop a tool that we can just use. 
But when we're talking about things that are more uh, are more emergent, we can't really wait for that to happen. A, because we need to take action now and B, because it might be no one else does figure it out because everybody else is waiting for someone else to do that. But if you don't have the space to really explore, you know, sit down, get the right people in the room, virtual or otherwise, and say, you know, what don't we know? And how do we fill those gaps in our knowledge without expecting to find a, a perfect or complete answer? You know, be, how do we get to the point where we can act on the best information that we have rather than waiting for absolute certainty? Because we're now in the realm where absolute certainty is unlikely to happen until the, the thing we're trying to avoid has already taken place. So I think with those partnerships between universities uh, and, and councils, there's huge value in the university as a you know external authority figure, you know, with a, with a with a reputation to kind of come in and, and help officers within councils who know what they want to do, but maybe the structures aren't in place to have those conversations or get the right people in the room. But there's something that that universities can kind of bring to that in terms of a, a legitimacy. But the, from the other perspective, for universities, it's very easy for these things to be very insular. And, you know, we'll just talk about data and we'll just talk about research, but actually not waiting until we've got a final product before bringing it to a partner like a, a council and having those conversations about we don't know how this is supposed to look. We don't know how this is going to be useful to you. So you need to tell us that um, has been transformative. And, and I've no doubt that we certainly wouldn't be anywhere near where we are now if we hadn't have had that partnership approach. Uh, Alex, same question to you. I would say um, further to that, I think it's really important for for both universities and, although Pete touched on this, both universities and councils, for example, to recognise the, the the gaps in in their own ability to do something. Um, so, you know, university has this great academic research capacity, but little practical ability to do it. And the, the, the opposite is true for a council, and they make very natural bedfellows. And we do, we have had a reasonably good working relationship with Exeter before. And I think the key point for me is to make sure that you take absolutely any opportunity that you can with a, say, if I'm in a local authority with a, with a university to build those personal working relationships through projects, wherever there's one to, to find, as Pete said, allowing a space for that to happen. And we've had, and we still do have a University of Exeter staff working well they were in our offices where everyone's at home now so it's all a bit different but but having the, those transplants is 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 quite a a useful thing just from just from the ground up and make sure all those opportunities are taken and that there is a sort of an overall macro understanding of the the benefits that both partners can can really have in actually achieving what i think is ultimately both of our aims um in this and that is to to prepare in this specific case, to prepare uh, the places that we live for um, the inevitable effects of climate change and to understand a bit more about that. Yeah, I think the realisation of the co-benefits has been something that keeps coming up with this partnership and programme. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. Leanne, lastly, can I, can I ask you the same question of what your key takeaway message would be? Um, yeah, again, to, to echo what Pete and Alex have said around the importance of creating these spaces for emergent knowledge where there are no silver bullet solutions to some of the challenges that you know both the public sector and universities face I guess I think it's just really important to 
be able to invest the time to understand the perspectives of multiple stakeholders in this space and the time that's required to nurture those productive conversations. You know, we've we've really benefited and valued the time and commitment that we've had both from our steering group and research participants as well as the research team in enabling this co-production approach. But it's it's really important to create this space to enable that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we talked about before the 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 future of the program is still up for uh, confirmation on, on council plans. But I wondered if you could talk about how you're hoping to continue the great work that, that you've done with the program in the future and maybe how you are going to make some changes in, in the way you work that you've learned from some of the sessions we've done over the last few weeks and months. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as I said earlier, we did start working with Northumbria on this project on the basis that we were both interested to explore further opportunities for research and collaboration. I think we need to do some further work to really scope out what that could look like. I mean, in terms of the sort of the, the, the learning from this project approach, it's quite important to to recognise the, the mutual value that both local or combined authority and university can get from this process in terms of recognising the opportunities for continuous professional development and research impact. And what I've found is that we've, we've been working with people who are really busy, but they've made space for this project because it's an important area that we all need to work and progress on. And I think the ability to sort of recognize the valuable contribution that people have made through either continuous professional development or research impact it's it's quite often assumed so i'd be interested in taking that learning forward in in whatever comes next from this project thanks leanne and uh, alex can i ask the same question to you um i th- i think for me it's it's primarily well, it's, it's going to be quite practical but it's primarily upping the importance of of adaptation in in the way that we operate i i been just as guilty of being very focused on mitigation and and carbon neutral Cornwall being all about mitigation because that's sort of implied in the name that we're trying to get to to carbon neutral but there's more than that and uh, and starting to become a voice within the council for pushing that adaptation agenda but for the most part that's going to involve research at this point and therefore going to have to form better working relationships and, and create new structures for more specific or even more broad research on that in the future with University of Exeter, hopefully, but possibly other people as, as well, to start to build our our strategic knowledge base in that and to start to uh, to be a, a voice for that going forward. So that's what I'm going to, because I, I have come to this at a slightly late stage, so I've missed out on a lot of the sort of sandbox stuff that you're talking about. But um, yeah, that renewed focus on that and, and trying to trying to get that more into our into our strategic plans, that, that, that focus on adaptation, absolutely. And lastly, Peter. Yeah, I definitely agree with with what's been said. I think the, the the key thing for me is a slightly more human one in terms of what we're talking about at the moment with climate change is yeah is is very much around as around uncertainty, which I know I keep banging on about. But but this idea that we don't necessarily know what we need to do, um, and we've got our roadmaps and we've got our targets, and that's great. But we know that those aren't going to cut it, and there's lots more that needs to happen, and councils and universities have such a huge role to play in that and they can't yet know exactly what they need to do specifically or more generally because because things are so uncertain so actually through projects like this just building up those personal contacts 
um, you know, between uh, someone at the university, someone at the council, almost irrelevant, you know, kind of what level they are, but just people who can, you can have that conversation where you don't know what you're actually asking or necessarily really what you're talking about, but just saying, this is really important and we're nowhere near where we need to be on it. Um, and we don't understand that we haven't got a product ready for, for you to look at. We, we know we haven't got a particular ask ready necessarily or an offer. Have, being able to have those kind of conversations is going to be increasingly important. Um, and then projects like this setting precedents that you can then refer back to of, oh, remember that project we did with adaptation and health? Well, we also need, need to do one about X and Y, something else that we, that we don't know about. But, but people then start to understand what it actually is because it's happened once. So they've seen what impact it's had on their day-to-day -day work uh, and the value that it has brought. And I think, you know, that is going to be incredibly useful going forward. And again, you know, without that, it's really hard to, to build that momentum that I think we're at a place now where we, we can, thankfully. You've been listening to Together Towards Net Zero. This episode was presented by myself, Olivia Lancaster, produced by UCL and LGA with support from UCL Public Policy and edited by Nathan Copeland. Our guests today were Leanne Wilson, Alex Rainbow and Peter Lafort. To find out more about the Net Zero Innovation Programme, visit www.ucl.ac.uk slash public policy. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from UCL, then head to ucl.ac.uk slash ucl-minds podcasts. Lastly, to read more about the LJ's climate change programme, visit local.gov.uk slash r-support slash climate-change. <laughs>